during World War II, the War Advertising Council created a propaganda slogan to encourage Americans to avoid careless talk about security issues. Loose lips sink ships. Some of you remember that, don't you, or may have heard about it. The thinking was that if we talk too much, then the enemy might overhear what we are saying and use our information against us. For example, if you knew where a ship was and you talked about it, then the Germans or the Japanese might find out and might sink our ship. Loose lips sink ships. It's a great phrase and has continued to be used to encourage people to avoid careless talk. At one level, it was a great slogan because it reminded people that they could have a direct impact on armed force security issues. But of course, the downside of the slogan is that when you heard that a ship had been sunk, you immediately might have thought, what did I say? Was it something I said? At best, it's empowering. At worst, it could be shameful. And that's the problem with speech, isn't it? We want to be involved. We have something to say, don't we? And yet we live within a certain anxiety that what we say might lead to our downfall or it might hurt somebody that we love. And I think that is exactly what James is working on during these verses that we have today. James wants us to know that our tongues will betray our inward thoughts and feelings. And so if we want to be people of Christian character, then we will learn how to bridle our tongues. How, for, how great a forest is set ablaze by a small fire, and the tongue is a fire. The tongue stains the whole body. Not very optimistic view of human nature. And of course these same sentiments have been voiced in the ancient world by writers such as Plutarch and Seneca. There was a common teaching that wise people, a wise person was a person who knew how to talk no, a wise person knew how to listen. And these same thoughts have been updated more recently by great contemporary songs that you might have heard, like Billy Joel's Careless Talk, Wham's Careless Whisper, Run DMC's You Talk Too Much, the Bee Gees' the Jive Talking, and even the great Toby Keith, A Little Less Talk, and a lot more action. The wisdom I heard growing up from my parents was that you need to learn to zip your lip. <laughs> and boy, you've got two ears and only one mouth. So that means that you need to talk half as much as you listen. Use your members in the direct proportion to the way that God made you. And of course, yes, I am aware on this Sunday morning of the irony of giving a sermon about talking too much. 
My mother didn't graduate from college as a young adult. Instead, she got married and let her studies go by the wayside. And much later, when she was in, when I was in high school, my mom re-entered college and began to study computer science. So this was back in the 80s. She would drive from our hometown of Forney and go out east to the East Texas city of Tyler, where there is a campus at the University of Texas at Tyler. And in December of 1986, mom graduated during my first year of college. So that December, we all drove out to Tyler. The whole family went out there and saw my mom walk across the stage and receive her college diploma. My mom's parents, who were my grandmother and grandfather, I found this picture this week going through some things at the house. They were all there, they drove from Lubbock to Tyler, and then my grandparents took all of us out to eat afterwards. And there was a nice time together. But then my grandfather said to my mom, if only you'd done this years ago. No one can tame the tongue. Or I could tell you about the time that my father said to my brother, who had just proudly graduated from the University of Texas in Austin with his degree in education and was teaching in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, and he said to my brother, Mark, one of these days I hope you get a real job. No one can tame the tongue, a restless evil full of deadly poison. I could go on. I could tell you about the time after my mom died that I said, Dad, I love you. And he said, well, I don't love you. No one can tame the tongue of restless evil full of deadly poison. But you know the story, don't you, from your own family histories, from things that have been said to you by family or friends that have been hurt, words that stung, We've all said things to each other that have hurt, things that we wish we had never said. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Certainly has not worked in my life. And I don't think James, the epistle writer, would agree with that phrase either. But there is a grace in the passage. I wonder if you heard it. Verse 2, it says, we all make mistakes. We all make many mistakes, it says. And again in verse 10, from the same mouth come blessing and cursing. So I'd like to translate that for you this morning this way. Let's not beat ourselves up. No one is perfect. And when we admit who we are, when we admit that we are limited and finite human beings, when we admit that we're going to mess up along the way, there is a certain grace in that, that we don't have to take ourselves so seriously. And James isn't suggesting that we can say whatever we want to whomever we want. He says we're going to mess up. We're going to say things we didn't mean to say. We're going to hurt people. We're not perfect. But then 
in those situations, when there is hurt, there is also the opportunity for forgiveness. And whenever we open ourselves to be loved and forgiven, then there can be grace in that situation. So let's not live our lives in terror, terrorized by the thought that we might say the wrong thing, that we might shame ourselves or bring shame on others. Instead, let us throw ourselves upon the mercy of God and upon the good graces of the people around us, the people who do love us and will forgive us when we do something or say something we regret. Some of you might be familiar with the excellent work of Gary Chapman, the Christian counselor, who has done a lot of good work on what he calls the five love languages. He says that all of us have one, each one of us has one particular way that we know love and that we communicate love to each other. It's either giving love or receiving love through quality time, words of affirmation, receiving gifts, acts of service, or physical touch. One of those ways is gonna be your primary way that you understand what love is, and that's how you would give love to others. And so when you speak that love language, you're speaking love to the people in your life based on how God made you and how you were raised. And so what James is talking about today in, in the third chapter of his letter is about words of affirmation, words of blessing, words that build up, words that communicate love and grace and peace as a primary way to show love. So just as we shouldn't take ourselves too seriously, we also do have work to do in our own lives. And as the Spirit works in our life day after day, more and more than we hope to increase in grace. And as we do that, we can view others' bad speech and the way that they have hurt us, we can view that with compassion. With Christ's love in our hearts, we learn that those hurtful things that were said to us were really more about that person and less about us. Because when we are in pain, we generally spew that pain out onto others. So I've already told my kids, especially Sam and Sarah, the two oldest, to understand. I say to, I say to them, look, my parents did the best they could, but they didn't do everything right. And I've learned some bad habits from them. So just know that sometimes I'm going to mess up with you. I might say things or do things that might hurt, and when I do that, I will apologize, and when that happens, at least I know, at least I hope you know, that you never have to doubt my love for you. And this is exactly the way God uses speech in the Bible. When we speak of Jesus Christ, we talk about Jesus Christ, the Word incarnate, the living Word. 
When we look at the book of Genesis, the Lord spoke and the world came into being. And it is the same story in the Bible of a holy one blessing the people with words of hope like in Isaiah chapter 43. You are precious in my sight and honored and I love you. Do not fear for I am with you. The story of the Bible you see is a story of a mighty creator reaching out to Jesus at Jesus's baptism and saying, you are my beloved. With you, I am well pleased. And that remains a baptismal promise for you today. And in just a few minutes, when Owen and Braden come forward, that is the same baptismal promise that is given to them in God's covenant with them that you are a beloved child of God. That is your primary sense of identity. So that's the direction that James is pointing us. That's the direction of Christian character. People who not only think words of grace and love, but people who will actually speak words of grace and love out loud. So I encourage you in the things to do this week, you can find those near the back of your bulletin on page seven. There's a list of things from previous Sundays. And the last one there, number five, pray that God will send you three opportunities to bless someone with words during the next seven days. Dear Lord, you say, give me three opportunities to bless someone with words this week. Loose lips sink ships, but it is also true that a word of blessing builds up your Christian character and a word of grace and love can bring peace to your world. Let it be so for us this day, now and forever. Amen.